Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to the Bible Crossfire radio program. We call it Bible Crossfire because you're invited to get into the crossfire, meaning we have a question and answer format. Uh, we try to prove what we say by the Bible, but since I'm not God, I can be wrong. If I'm not actually proving what I say by the Bible, then it's false teaching, and you'll be my best friend to call in and correct me. But if I am proving what I say by the Bible, then you're obligated to accept it. It doesn't matter what you believed in the past. It doesn't matter what you want to believe, what sin you might want to practice, what's the most politically correct, what'll bring in the most people, uh, what's the most fun and exciting. Actually, what we must believe and practice in religion is exactly what the Bible says, whether we agree with it or whether we like it or not, it makes no difference because God is our ultimate authority. He created all things. He's our authority. And so since the Bible is the word of God, by extension, the Bible is the word of God. And so it decides everything that we say or discuss on this program. Call in with your Bible question or comment. Just realize the answer has to come from the Bible, whether from me or from you. The answer has to come from the Bible. Tonight, while we're waiting on our first call, I thought we'd talk about gay marriage, which just keeps getting into the news. When I was a boy growing up, I couldn't imagine what lay before us as far as how many people accepted homosexuality. When I was a boy, nobody accepted it. Then Hollywood accepted it, then the world, and now many churches are starting to accept it. But here's what the Bible says. Actually, there's five or six passages, at least in the Old Testament, condemning it. Five or six passages condemning homosexuality in the New Testament. Here's Romans 1, 24 to start with. It says, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Now that's verse 24. And at this point, we don't know exactly what the inspired writer is talking about. We just know that he calls it unclean and people dishonoring their own bodies. But 26 and 27, he gets more specific. Romans 1, 26 and 27 reads this way. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. I think it's pretty clear that 26 is talking about what today we call lesbians. Women having sexual relations with other women. Clearly condemned. 27 is condemning what we call today gay men. Men having sex with one another. Clearly condemned by the Bible. So this is one of, we'll say, 10 or 12 or 15 passages in the Bible that condemn homosexuality. Now, let's begin with a question. Are homosexuals born that way? And I say begin with that because I think this passage we just read helps us to answer that question. Not only did it teach that both types of homosexuality are sin, lesbianism and gay men, but I think it's three or four times, it's just not just saying it's a sin, but it's unnatural. Romans 1, 26 and 27, not only teaches that homosexuality is a sin, but that it's unnatural, meaning nobody is born that way. Nobody's born that way. They may claim they're born that way, but, but they're just trying to make an excuse for their sin. They're trying to say, we're born that way. We can't help it. Therefore, it's okay. God's not going to condemn it. But God does condemn it. And that right there should prove to you that they're not born that way because God would never condemn somebody for doing what they were born to do, something they couldn't help. But this passage says 
it's unnatural. Now, some sins, when you commit the sin, you're doing something that comes naturally. Like, for example, if I get hungry and don't have any money, I may go steal some food. Well, it's, it's a sin to steal, but I'm fulfilling a natural desire, hunger, even with adultery. Well, let's say I have this desire for another woman and I go out and have relations with her. I cheat against my wife. That's adultery. It's a sin, but I'm satisfying a natural desire. But homosexuality is not only a sin, it's fulfilling an unnatural desire. People are not born that way. People, when they're born, if they're not, say, sexually abused growing up, when they, if they grow up a normal way with normal parents, with a normal, they're going to grow up with a normal sexual orientation. A young man's going to grow up to when he reaches puberty. Is he going to have a desire for a young woman? A young woman's going to have a desire for a young man. That's what comes natural. Not homosexuality. That's a perverted mind. Let me illustrate it with uh, something that's kind of blunt. When you do plumbing, you got to have a male and a female end on the plumbing to fit together. You can't fit a male to a male or a female to a female end in plumbing. Well, I say that to think, get you to think about the same thing with the human body. You know, I don't think we would have to have the Bible to know what is intended to happen sexually. You can just look at the anatomy of a male and female and tell what's to happen sexually. That's easy. And you can tell it's supposed to be a male with a female, not a male with a male, and not a female with a female. It's the natural thing. It's what would come naturally even for people who don't even know, haven't read the Bible. That's what it means by it's natural. This is the natural order of things for a man to desire a woman and a woman to desire a man. And not only then is it a sin, according to Romans 1, it's unnatural. Nobody's born that way. That's just an excuse. There's no such thing as a gay gene. They've been looking for a gay gene for many, many decades. They've never found one. Matter of fact, I was in the UH library a few years back. I did a little research and I saw this study by Yale and Columbia universities. And it found that homosexuality is common to only 6.7% of male identical twins and 5.3% of female identical twins. Now, if homosexuality was genetic, you would expect it to be 100%. If it's genetic, you're born that way. Then if you had identical twins, if one was gay, the other would be gay 100 times, 100% of the time. That's what I would expect. But only if you have male identical twins, if one's gay, only 6.7%, according to this study, is the his identical twin gay. Or if you have a female that's gay, a lesbian, only 5.3% of her identical twins were also lesbian. If it were genetic, you would expect it to be 100% because they're identical twins. If you have a Bible question or comment, I want you to give me a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call, the lines are wide open. If you have a Bible question or comment, could be on this Bible topic or any other Bible topic. 877-655-6755. So what we've learned from Romans 1, 26 and 27 in the New Testament that it's homosexuality is clearly a sin. Both types, lesbianism, lesbianism and gay men, are condemned. Not only is it a sin, it's unnatural. It's not even satisfying a natural desire. You can take a natural desire like hunger and satisfy it lawfully, working for your food, or unlawfully, stealing your food. If you steal your food, it's a sin, but it's still satisfying a natural desire. Homosexuality is a sin, and it's not it's not even satisfying a natural desire. It's satisfying a perverted desire. 
Again, if you have a Bible question or comment, the number to call is 877-655-6755. Now, I said the lesson is about gay marriage today. We've been talking about homosexuality, but what about gay marriage? (laughs) Well, if homosexuality is a sin, then of course gay marriage would be a sin. Let me read what Jesus said about this in Matthew 19, 4 and 5. He says, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain or two shall be one flesh. Now I've heard this little cutesy saying that I think shows you the point I'm getting at from this verse very well. God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. You heard that before? It makes a good point. It says, Jesus said in Matthew 19, 4 and 5, God made them male and female and said, for this call shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife. So marriage is defined by Jesus to be between male and female. So anytime a male marries a male, that's going to be an unscriptural marriage. It's going to be condemned by God, unapproved by God. Same with a female marrying a female. You know, we call that marriage. But God defined marriages between male and female. So if a male marries a male, it's going to be an unscriptural marriage, meaning a marriage not approved of by God. There's never been a marriage between a man and a man and a female and female that God approved of. Now, I want you to compare that to the Presbyterian Church USA. Here's a quote from Time Magazine in 2015. I can send you this quote if you'd like to see it. Here's the quote. The Presbyterian Church voted to redefine the church constitutional marriage to include a commitment between two people. A commitment between two people? <laughs> That's kind of strange. What do you, how do you think they used to define it? It says they redefine their definition of marriage to include a commitment between two people. How do you think they used to define it? If they redefine it, that means they changed it. Well, it used to be, obviously, a commitment between a male and a female. Because that's how God defined it. Jesus said that marriages should be between male and female, Matthew 19, 4 and 5. And now the Presbyterian church thinks they have a right to redefine what marriage is, even though God defined marriage between male and female. Matthew 19 is quoting Genesis 2, 24. All the way back in the beginning, when you have Adam and Eve, God defined marriage as between male and female. Jesus reiterates that definition in Matthew 19, 4 and 5. And so when the Presbyterian church comes along and said, we're going to redefine it to be a commitment between two people, they're redefining what God defined in the very beginning with Adam and Eve and what Jesus reiterated in Matthew 19, 4 and 5, that marriage should be between male and female. A lot of times the gays will say, well, Jesus never condemned homosexuality. Well, oh, yes, he did. Matthew 19, 4 and 5. And besides that, what the apostles say, Jesus said right before he left, right before he died, he said, I'm going to have to leave, but I'm going to send you the comfort of the Holy Ghost. He will guide you into all the truth. John 16, 13, talking to the apostles. So what the apostles wrote in the Bible, and that's what he's talking about in John 16, 13, him guiding the apostles into the New Testament to reveal the New Testament at first verbally, but then it became in written form. And once it was completed in written form, there was no more need for the verbal inspiration. But God was going to reveal his New Testament law through these apostles. He'll guide them all the truth. So not only did Jesus condemn homosexuality, but the apostles did later, and they were guided by the Holy Spirit to say what they said. As a matter of fact, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2. He says, to avoid fornication, let every man... 
have his own wife. I didn't say let every woman have his own wife. Paul said, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So a man is supposed to have a wife and a woman is supposed to have a husband. But hadn't we seen in the last five or 10 years, plenty of men who are having husbands and plenty of women who are having wives? It's absurd. It's, and guess what? There's a lot of churches out there and some of you listening in the audience today are members of these churches. It's absurd that they're not even coming close to following the Bible anymore. Every man should have his own wife and every woman should have her own husband. It's so clearly taught by the Bible what the right way is. Peter from California, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yes, hello, sir. God bless you. Um, God has enabled me to overcome, you know, the sin of homosexuality. I used to be in that lifestyle. I'm no longer in it because of the grace of God. Um, I thank you for your sharing. I just wanted to call and say, in my humble opinion, I don't think it matters whether it comes from a gene or it doesn't, because I think all sin, gossip, drunkenness, it, it all comes from the flesh, from Adam and Eve. Um, in my opinion, you know, sexual morality, I mean, it's all just flesh sin. That's what I believe. But, so when people use this excuse, well, you know, I wasn't born that way. It doesn't matter if you were born that way or not. It's all sin. Right? Hey, I can, I, appreciate your, I can appreciate your point that, it, that God calls it a sin regardless. But since the Bible teaches it's unnatural, then I'm going to teach uh-huh. it's unnatural. And, if, and I'm not going to teach love you. I don't mean I'm not really contradicting you so much as I'm saying I'm not going to say that doesn't matter because I'm never going to say anything that Jesus said or God said doesn't matter. And he says it's unnatural. They're not born that way. And they can change. Okay? And you are a living example of the fact that a person can change. We appreciate you calling and let us know. Here's a person. She's from California. Got, got, got that right? Uh, right? And, yeah, and, and you there, used yeah. to be a homosexual, but you've changed and become exactly well, what, what... I mean, I still struggle, as, as many people do, with lust. You know, but I don't do, I don't engage in that activity anymore. God took me away from that. Thank God, you know. Thank you so much for your call. Appreciate it, okay? Thank you. All right, bye. Appreciate that call. And there's a living testament to the fact that people can change. They're not born that way. It's not that they can't help it. It's a perverted desire. And yes, they do have this perverted desire. So it may not be easy to change back, just like if a person becomes addicted to cigarettes or drugs, it may not be easy for them to quit that sin, but it's possible. And they it, repentance, Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So re, get homosexuality is a sin just like any other sin. If you want forgiveness, you got to repent. You got to change. Now, let me ask this quick question before we move back to move to the Old Testament. Let me ask my audience, what would a gay married couple have to do upon repentance? Let's say in whatever state they're in, probably in California, two gay people get married, two women, lesbians, or two gay men. If they want to repent and be forgiven, Jesus said you got to repent to be forgiven, Luke 13, 3, and many other passages. What would they have to do? Could they just stay in the marriage? Can they say, God, we're sorry we committed the sin of homosexuality, but we're going to stay in this sexual relationship, this homosexual relationship? Well, of course not. Anybody can see that's absurd. Well, let's switch the topic for a minute then. If you can say that's absurd, that people in a gay marriage, that it's absurd to say they can repent and stay in that gay marriage, 
then why can't we see that it's just as absurd to say a person could stay in an adulterous marriage? That's a heterosexual adulterous marriage. What do you mean? You say, Pat, what do you, what do you mean by that? Jesus said in Matthew 19, 9, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. So if I divorce my wife, Carol, and she's not cheating on me, I just do it for incompatibility, which is the most common cause of divorce. We don't get along anymore. I don't love her anymore. I divorce her and marry Betty. Jesus calls that second marriage to Betty adultery. What I got to do to repent and get forgiveness? I'm going to have to terminate that marriage with Betty. I can't just say I'm sorry, keep on committing adultery with Betty any more than I can say I'm sorry if I'm married to a man and keep on committing that homosexual sin with a man. That's absurd. You can't repent of homosexuality or adultery while you're staying in the sin. You have to terminate the relationship. And in that case, I would have to seek reconciliation with my original wife, Carol. Franklin from Connecticut. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Thank you, sir. I just want to add value to what you're saying. Uh, I wrote a piece years ago called Polarity. Polarity is the negative and positive that goes together to create life. That is a neutral wire and a hot wire. You can't have two negative wires and expect to get light. You can't have two hot wires and expect to get life. Symbolically, you can't have a female and a female to get life. That's not a polarity. You can't have a male and a male in a relationship to get life. And one of the things that I have um, did when I'm talking to people that don't believe in the Bible is to use science to show how electricity mm-hmm. is against the act of homosexuality. Franklin, appreciate your call. Guys, life. Appreciate your call. Thank you so much for your call. And so if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. You want to talk about homosexuality or gay marriage or any other Bible topic, give us a call at 877-655-6755. You know, we've been talking about the New Testament, and that's the law we're under, so that's the most important thing. But the Old Testament also condemned homosexuality. Leviticus 20, verse 13 says, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. So we're not talking about two little brothers having to sleep in the same bed because there's not enough beds to go around. We're talking about homosexuality, a man lying with another man as he would with a woman. The Old Testament calls that an abomination. That word's usually reserved for the worst sins in the Old Testament. It's an abomination. And what was the penalty? If somebody got caught in the sin of homosexuality, what was the penalty in Old Testament times? Death penalty. Death penalty must have been a pretty serious sin or crime back then. And then homosexuality was put in the same category as bestiality. Let me read Leviticus 18, 22 and 23. It says, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. What's that passage saying in the Old Testament? A man should not have sex with a man. Neither should he have sex with an animal. And a woman shouldn't have sex with an animal either. You see, basically in the same breath, homosexuality is condemned with 
bestiality or bestiality, having sex with an animal. Basically, the Old Testament is saying it's just as bad for a man to have sex with a man as it is for a man to have sex with an animal. Surely, if you're homosexual out there, let me appeal to you. Can you not see that it's wrong to have sex with an animal? Well, the Bible is putting them as equals on par. They're both wrong for the same reason. Jeff from Oregon, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, sorry. So I was listening. I'm in the car, and I was listening to your radio station. I was just really hurt by um, I know you're upset about homosexuality, but I, I really, when I read the Bible, I thought, you know, there was a little bit saying that, yeah, homosexuality is bad, but I thought the basis of the Bible was how much, you know, Jesus loves everybody, and he, above all else, he wanted everybody to love everybody. So, so if you understand that by Jesus, by love, Jesus means that you're supposed to go along with sin, you completely misunderstood the Bible. Phyllis from Washington, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, I have a question about uh, socializing or hobnobbing with people that are homosexuals that are in your family, like attending birthday parties, having them over for dinner, uh, because birds of a feather flock together, and also because it might be corrupting to the other people in the family uh, that you're teaching that this is not correct. Yeah, here's what the Bible says. In verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 5, Phyllis, it says, I wrote unto you an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must you needs needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or railer or drunkard or an extortioner, with such a one, no, not to eat. So here's what the Bible is saying here. Now, now this is well, he's talking about fornication here, and homosexuality is a form of fornication. He's saying, look, if they are a Christian, supposed to be a Christian, and they go off into this sin of fornication, or in what we're talking about, homosexuality, and you can't get them to repent, you've got to withdraw from them. That's the term found in 2 Thessalonians 3. Here it says, you've got to quit keeping company with them. You've got to quit eating with them. Because you're trying, it's like spanking a little child. You're trying to get them to think twice about the sin they're in and trying to get them to repent. But if they're not a Christian, he said, I'm not talking about the fornicators of this world. Then we don't necessarily have an obligation, Phyllis, to withdraw this social interaction with them. Now, we might deem it uh, a good judgment not to, maybe for our kids' sake. But if they're not Christians and they're acting this way, we don't have an obligation to fall back from them socially because what we're going to try to do in that case, we got to remember we're going to try to convert them. we got to try to have interaction with any sinner, try to develop a relationship with them so we can try to teach the gospel. Whatever the sin is, whether it's theft, homosexuality, liars, people who teach that the Sabbath is still binding, any sin, we have to get them out of that sin. You follow me, Phyllis? Yes, I do. So it is okay to bring them into your home? Yes, you could. If yeah, you could deem it best judgment to bring them into your home and socialize them if they've never been a Christian, in order if you think that's the best way to reach them with the gospel. But if they've ever been a Christian, you couldn't do that. This passage says it's okay to do that with the fornicators of this world, but not if a person is called a brother. Not if a person is supposed to be a Christian and has fallen into the ways of the world. John from Ontario. Canada. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. 
Yeah, that's Thunder Bay, Ontario, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I was looking up in the New Testament about the homosexuality, and it says we should have nothing to do with them. They're abomination. That's all. What I verse are you talking about in the New Testament, John? What uh, verse are you talking about? Uh, I was looking it up, and I can't really so find that's it. That's what I thought. I, think you're, I don't think you have a verse in the Bible that says that. But if you do, look it up, and, and I want you to call me after the program, and let's talk about it, okay? Thank you, John. Okay. No, Appreciate it. You're welcome. So I'm going to have to go off the air right now. So let me mention this. Appreciate the calls tonight. Very good calls. Appreciate you listening. If you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, over the phone, one hour for free. I want you to give me a call or text me at 256-682-9753. One hour free Bible study with me at your convenience. 256-682-9753. Call or text me. Thank you for listening tonight. Be sure and listen next week at this same time to Bible Crossfire.